Hello, everyone, and welcome to Young China. We are a half Chinese Brit and a Siberian Russian living here in Shanghai. We use our unique perspectives to demystify and translate Chinese culture and lifestyle. My name is Lucian, and my name is Artem. We are two entrepreneurs who made it in China, and now we want to share this experience with you. Okay, so before we begin, why don't we actually just introduce ourselves? Say, tell the audience who we are. What we do, how long we've been here, you know that kind of thing. So why don't you go first? I'm a part of three businesses. I'm a founder of the most popular Russian media outlet focusing on China,、uh, called EKD.、Uh, co-owner of a sourcing and product development company called You China, and founder of a brand called Lawaimi, which is famous for creative and cultural products. And it got famous last year, and we got featured in many, many media outlets like South China Morning Post or Renmin Shibao. Okay,、yeah. so can you actually just so for some people who don't speak Chinese, what does Lawai mean? Why is it called Lawaimi? Lawai is a foreigner, so we are both Lawai. It's the Chinese word for foreigner. Yeah. So what's about you? So as I say, my name is Lucian Lucian Pang. You can find me on LinkedIn. I own a PR agency here called Gen Now Generation Now, and we help grow global brands in China.、Um, we've helped brands like Grand Hyatt. Sheraton and La Bottega really speak to the next generation of Chinese consumers. Okay, so what we are gonna talk about in our pilot podcast? Well, the name of our podcast is "Why China," or indeed, "Why Not China." And the reason we picked this is actually when I go back to England, and I'm sure Artem, when you go back to Russia, people say, "Hey, why China?" And you know what? Sometimes I'm just like, why not China? It's such an interesting place. It's such a vibrant, exciting place. Things are changing. I mean, it sounds like such a cliche, but really, no two days are different. So, in our first episode of Young China podcast, we're gonna talk about why not China. The paradigm has really, really changed since we started planning doing this podcast. When we first started thinking about doing the podcast. The coronavirus was was of course a big deal already, but、uh, things have changed a lot here and abroad. So in the last two days in China, they've actually banned entry to all foreigners. That includes legal foreigners, you know, people who are working here, permanent residents. That doesn't just mean tourists. That means basically everyone, but except for diplomats. So that really changes things here. About when when you ask why China, because even with with the best economy and the best conditions in the world, I mean you just can't come in. Yeah, and that's why we were thinking about like should we still do the same topic for the first episode or not? Because now no one can come. But then we realized like anyway, in China is all almost gone for sure. In the world, it will be much better like in few months. So probably after like few months or half a year, even. Maybe even more foreigners will think about China, because as we see now, how China managing all this stuff.、Uh, as I seen some news, Western countries really appreciate、uh, Chinese help. And do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I I think what you're trying to say, and I will I will translate and demystify <laughs> this Russian culture and lifestyle、um, by saying for you that、uh, I think what you're trying to say is that. China's China's image has changed a lot over the past few months, right? And I I think that's 
that's been informed, of course, in a reflection, of course, not only of how China has handled everything, but also the way that different countries have been handling things, right? So, for example, if you look at America and, well, you know, for, for obvious reasons, um, there has always been this animosity between between the, the two governments. It means that from there, China will come out looking worse to Americans, I believe. But to Europeans, particularly Italians, Spanish, this kind of thing, um, I think China will actually come out looking a lot better, a lot more powerful, a lot more friendly, a lot more efficient than they they looked before. So we probably can expect more foreigners uh, coming to China after after outbreak is over. So that's why we're still gonna talk about uh, why China and why not China and uh, why this country good place for foreigners. And I want to start with some um, numbers. You know, uh, now the Ch- China is now home to estimated more than nine hundred thousand people who were burned elsewhere. So. China doesn't make public the exact number for a national living in China. That's why it's estimated. And of course, that doesn't count the large number who are living here permanently, uh, but without legal permanent status, mm. like business visa, tourist visa. Uh, yeah. So um, most of these foreigners concentrate in the larger cities like Shanghai, Beijing, Shenzhen, and like not only Shenzhen, Guangdong province, south mm. of China. And... Interesting thing that uh, more than 23% of expats in China, they live in Shanghai. So it means like every fourth in China live in Shanghai. So I think that's a very easy thing to understand to anyone who's lived or even visited Shanghai. The city is such an international place. It's so vibrant in its outlook, right? And actually, I know a few foreigners here who've been here for years and they don't speak any Chinese at all and they seem to get around pretty well. Yeah, and do you know the top countries uh, for, for for like expats here? Well, <laughs> you're asking me this question, so I can only assume it's a trap question. But I will walk into your trap. I will say probably the countries which have a very international exposure with their economy. So places like America, the UK, France, these kinds of places. The top countries are Japan. South Korea and the U.S. Okay, uh, and yeah, That's probably surprising. U.S. Uh, citizens. Uh, they're also Chinese immigrants. A mm. lot of Hua Chao are coming here to. to what their, does like, what does Hua Chao mean? Hua Chao means Chinese immigrants. Okay, uh, most of them like in U.S., Canada, mm-hmm. Australia. So yeah. we call them uh, ABCs, American-born Chinese, CBCs, it, yeah, yeah, uh, Canadian-born Chinese, and and BBCs, which is yeah British. And there are a lot of Chinese, a lot of developing countries residents, mm. uh, like post-Soviet countries, like Russia, mm-hmm. and uh, but in Africa, a lot yeah. of, for example, in Guangzhou, more than one hundred thousand Africans. That's loads. That's a lot. That's a lot. Wow, that's like that's they a real ha- like city. Almost. Yeah, they even have their like own districts. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, like, and you come. I can imagine in China, like, eight. Two percent, sometimes like around you, people like people around you, are mm. Africans. Wow. They're not Chinese. That's pretty like, interesting. I feel like in Africa, they have their own restaurants there uh-huh. and all the things. So, but many of them don't uh, live like uh, with a permanent status. Mm. Still, like business visa, or whatever. Mm. We cannot count this uh, developing countries. Mm. I, think. I mean, like we don't know the real numbers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's also, I mean, 
That's also not to say that people from developed countries don't come here illegally. I know that the or previously uh, American citizens could get a 10 year visa, 10 year tourist visa to come to China. And I think you had to leave, I think, every two months or every three months to renew that. So I knew people and I still know people, I think, who who work and live here on that tourist visa. So they'd leave every two or three months, um, go to Hong Kong for a day or an afternoon, come back and they're back onto that time yeah. again. But it's changing. I mean, like, it's I think it's changing. more strict. Uh, sure, sure. I mean, even England, we had a two-year tourist visa, right? So, Okay, why we don't start from ourselves? Like, why we come here? Why you come here, Illusion? Well, I think, I think my story is very typical for a lot of people like myself who are ethnically Chinese, right? So ever since I was very young... And, and ethnically Indian. And yes, and ethnically Indian as well. So I'm half But Chinese, you come to Indian. China. But I've come to China. Well, I did my time in India, and I, mm-hmm. that was a that was a very tough time and a very tough place to be. So um, anyway, so ever since I was a kid, we've come to China a lot, right? Just to visit family or just to travel, whatever it is. And so I've always had this very strong uh, connection to China, and. And I remember actually, <laughs> this is actually a, a kind of a stupid story, but I remember coming to Shanghai for the first time when I was 17. And I remember standing at the Bund, right? The, yeah, this is the most famous place in Shanghai with all these skyscrapers, uh, skycru- <laughs> skyscrapers view. <laughs> um, wait. No, that's, that was fine. That was funny, actually. Uh-huh. My Russian accent, not funny. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, yeah, this is the most famous place and like with a stunning uh, lighting show and all the things. Mm. And I remember standing there and just think and just looking at this a skyline of all these skyscrapers, these beautiful buildings, and being like, "Wow, I really, really want to come back." And actually, I, I told a couple of my local Chinese friends this, and they were like, "You have the mind." of a farmer because they come to the Bund, see the skyline and they think, wow, I want to come and live here as well. So, you know, in that sense, I'm a, I'm a local farmer, which is fine. Um, I, I want to get into agriculture at one point in my life. But yeah, I, I mean, actually for me, I didn't know the economy was so roaring. I didn't know it was such a vibrant city. For me, you know, at the age of 17, I hadn't done any research. I just liked the vibe of the city. I just liked it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I promised myself that I would come back one day. And around 25, I just thought, you know what? Why not now? And I, I just popped over. No, but it's past eight years. Before I, come. Ah, you... well, I had to go to university. Mm-hmm. I had to work a little bit at home uh, in, in the UK. And I went to India for a year after my um, after university. I worked there for an NGO. And then I came back to the UK. Okay. And what about you? What's your uh, what's your story? Actually, I'm very proud of my story with China because uh, because I had this how it's called like early professional orientation. I made my choice when I was really young, about seven years old. I th- I thought like I really love foreign languages. I really love foreign cultures, and that's why I want to be like diplomat. And then. When it was time to choose my major, 
very popular uh, major was international relations. But Europe was so far, because my hometown in Siberia, it's a very small town called Bisk, near Altai Mountains, near the border of Mongolia and Kazakhstan. So for me, China was like uh, even closer than Moscow. Because like, you know, uh, the flight from Novosibirsk, the biggest hub in Siberia, to Moscow, it's four hour and a half. The same to Beijing. And at that time, Europe was not that powerful already. I mean, like, it's not that... And English was not something unique. But I was thinking about, okay, ah, that time in my university was only the second year when they launched this major, China Studies. And it was, hmm, China. What I know about China? Like, nothing. Jackie Chan, Great Wall, and uh, rice. And that's it. And a lot of, like, cheap goods, right? Made in China. (laughs) But at that time, I already have some critical thinking and I was uh, and realized that uh, Russian Chinese relations getting better and Chinese economy like growing so fast and no one understand anything about China you know like no one else. So, so I thought okay if I even can speak a medium Chinese and understand something about this country for sure I will find a job that was the main uh, the main reason why, why I choose this major I was thinking like okay I will try one year if I don't like this I can change and I liked it. Yeah, we in on our major we have not only it's not linguistic major. It's uh, not only Chinese language, but also China culture, Chinese politics, econ- economy, geography, all the things about China. Okay. Um, actually, one thing that you mentioned just now was the China and Russian relations. That's you know, growing up in the UK, what we learned in history was that China and the Soviet Union, because they're both communist countries. Uh, had very good relations. So actually, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that you're saying Russians don't really understand anything about China. Yeah, it was a early Soviet Union period, but when Stalin died, so Mao Zedong didn't like uh, the new uh, the new politics uh, in mm-hmm. the new main line in uh, in Russia. Mm-hmm. So before 90s, it was not good relation at all. And we even have some uh, border conflicts with uh, some people died and all the things if you okay. go deeper in history. So for me, China was not like, maybe for European people, they think, oh, it's obvious the Ch- Russian people go to China. But mm-hmm. when I st- it was like 12 years ago when I chose this major, it was like super strange, even for Siberian people. It was like, what? Why China? <laughs> it's like, why China? Yeah. And I said, why not? Yeah. <laughs> Um, after two, uh, second year of my university, first time I went to China, and that was uh, the final, final dot. I don't know mm-hmm. in, in this story because uh, that time I even never been to Moscow. So mm-hmm. mo- uh, Beijing, I went to Beijing, Chinese capital, earlier than I uh, went to <laughs> Moscow. Yeah, I went to Changchun, it's Dongbei, for three ma- summer, three so, month summer courses. So Dongbei is the northeast of China. It's yeah. a very cold, very... very and like, close to Russia. Actually. Close to yeah. Russia side, yeah. And that, that, that time I also traveled to like Dalian, Tianjin, Beijing, and Beijing was just after Olympic Games. Wow, yeah. I mean, that must have been really special then. Yeah, like, I was surprised so much. And even Changchun, you know, Changchun is a tier three city. Mm. Surprised me so It was m- more developed than... Novosibirsk, the third city in huh, Russia. Interesting. So actually, the way that we divide cities in China is we do it in tiers. So Shanghai, Beijing, Guangzhou, Shenzhen, tier one. 
and then uh, the second tier is like Hangzhou and yeah. mm-hmm, Hangzhou, Nanjing ones that you might have heard of, and then third tier is cities that most foreigners will not have heard of at all. So after first time I went to China, I just uh, got back to Russia and realized that uh, I liked China. It was a lot of surprising things, yes, but uh, I realized, yeah, it's right direction. And I, when I come back, a lot of friends start to ask me, like, could you help me to find something in China? Now you've been there, maybe you can f- help us to find suppliers, factories, whatever, or help to make negotiations. So that time I realized there's like demand on China, on Chinese business, all the things high. I think this also was a time, you know, 12 years ago when the internet wasn't as developed as it was as it is now and they didn't have platforms like Alibaba right where you can actually contact factories directly on the internet i think it it just launched or something like but anyway it, it was it, in its infancy right so things yeah. people were still not familiar with the things that we take for granted today yeah so that time i decided i, I i'm going to finish my university and just get my diploma and come back to china as soon as possible because like oh my god it's so developed it's so good i just want to go back and after th- third year i also traveled like like you know uh, through the border of kazakhstan and uh, like 12 hours on bus to kazakhstan then 24 hours to urumqi and then <laughs> i like getting like cheaper the cheapest trains like standing 14 hours you know <laughs> and sleeping in mcdonald's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, because like i, I didn't get to my uh, like uh, hotel on time on metro so i mean like this far even i got th- through this kind of stories yeah but still yeah. I didn't say I got shocked or something. I don't know. Maybe for European people it's different, but in Ru- Russia is also developing countries. We are different culture. Yeah, China is also for now for us is kind of different. But I don't know. I was like well prepared. That sounds. I mean, that sounds very interesting. Actually, it looks. It sounds. I think that when I talk to some of my my Russian Ukrainian friends, I think they have the same kind of outlook on China, like. Like in the way that I think Europeans look to America or we look to England, I it seems to me a lot of Russians now, Russians, uh, Ukrainians, Kazakhs, Uzbeks, this kind of thing, they look to China in the way that we look to, to America and, and the UK. So uh, let's uh, go back to your story. Uh, what make you stay here when you like okay you said like after seven years of first time you came here right mm. uh, you come back like uh, not forever but with uh, this uh, with this plan to, to well I, I had a very clear plan that I wanted to live here right um, and it's actually a very big leap of faith right you don't have your family you don't have your friends. You don't know anything. But what plan do you have? Like you're coming here to work or what? Well, I, this is the whole thing. I didn't have really a plan. I just wanted to be here because I'd always remember that, like this incredible vibe of the city. And that's why, as I say, it's a big leap of faith because I didn't have any friends, didn't have any family. I Actually, I didn't speak any Chinese, right? Um, I, I certainly couldn't read any Chinese. Like the, the system of governance is completely different. Um, there are just so many unknowns to china right and it's not even like with the language if i read say a german article 
there are at least words that look similar to English so I can kind of understand what the article is about. With Chinese, I mean, the language barrier is just so incredible that there's no way you can decipher anything, right? It's it's a completely different uh, ball game. Yeah, so, but you 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 have been here before, so you were ready. I I've been here before, but then you realize that that growing up here or you know living here is completely different to coming to travel, right? Coming to travel is is always like a is always an adventure. It's always a journey. It's always fun. Yeah, but what was your first job here? I mean, like anyway, you come here mm. with your savings to, and then to hustle here and to find some job where you already had some offers or something. No, no, I I literally just I just came. Um, I'd come on holiday another time at the age i think 25 and i was like you know what now is the time. i'm just gonna i'm just gonna stick around so i found a teaching job um so that was a regional plan that why well, there was no original plan <laughs> but that that ended up being the plan right and that was my stepping stone so i learned some chinese uh built up some connections got to know the city got to know you know the startup scene um got to know the media scene and from there I, i then took the leap to to further my career after that so and what makes you stay here i mean i didn't as i say i didn't know that it was this economic power i just liked the beautiful lights on the on the skyline but it turns out that those beautiful lights on the skyline are there for a reason the reason they've got all these skyscrapers is because shanghai is an economic powerhouse and once i got here and i I started working, I very quickly came to realize that. But you went also, probably, you went to another cities and provinces and you could see that uh, it's not all China is the same as Shanghai. Yeah, sure. I mean, and that's that's the thing, like, you know, when you're traveling around China, it's, it's a very beautiful thing. And, and there are lots of places that are very underdeveloped, very beautiful, but you know that there's no way you could make a living there, right? And that's what makes Shanghai so so different. What's really interesting about you, Artem, is that unlike most foreigners who come to Shanghai or China, you have a very deep understanding of not only of the country, the culture, but also the language. So what makes you stay here? And do you feel that you've had a very different experience to other people here? Yeah, I think like uh, my experience is different to many of people because, uh, I don't know, maybe 90% of people who I meet here, foreigners, They don't have like China studies. Yeah, a lot of people have Chinese language uh, major, which make them probably really great level of Chinese, much better than mine because I'm not linguistic major. But to understand the country, you should understand the history and culture and all this thing. We even had like this history of Tibet and uh, Xinjiang. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. had like a history of uh, national minorities. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think I when I look in China, I mean like, Why is all good to me in China? Even some problems of China. For me, it's like an object of professional interest. Mm. You know, I'm observing. I like it. So, and I got into here and why I want to stay because while China is changing so fast, I want to be here. I can feel this changing and I like, I live like in TV show. <laughs> I mean, like in Russia, we say it's like stability and we're mm. already like 20 years and nothing changed. <laughs> and here, like every day you have some changes, every day something new and you can learn so much. And I, I really used to uh, live in this kind of uh, speed. Mm-hmm. This is really cool. And yeah. And this is actually something that, that they say, they actually call it 
Zhongguo Sudu, right, which means China speed. Yeah. And they use it to to explain lots and lots of things from from the the speed that cities just go up, like these skyscrapers up, 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 to the way that businesses come, uh, you know, grow from from startups to IPO within two, three years, right? That's all China speed. Everything here is super, super fast. That was our stories, but we still have like many another categories of foreigners. Mm. And yeah, we prepared this list uh, to just like categorize. Maybe it's not, hope it won't be offensive to someone. So let's split them into a few groups and talk about also salaries and who they are, right? The first group is obviously executives, scientists, engineers, and many of them have Chinese so-called Chinese green card. Mm. It's like 10 years residence permits. So China, when they give you a working visa, they actually divide you into three categories yeah, based on yeah. points, right? So there's A, B, and C, depending on how good your Chinese is, depending on your education level, master's, PhD, that kind of thing, depending actually on, on things like whether you won a Nobel Prize. And that, of course, like pops you right to the top. Um, depending on you know your job title, your work experience, these kinds of things. Yeah, and Chinese uh, language actually also mm. uh, HSK helps to mm-hmm. get some bonuses. And yeah. with category C now in the big cities, you even cannot get a working visa. It mm-hmm. means like they want better and better specialists here. Yeah, and so they first these uh, top executive scientists, engineers. They most of them they they not for sure they A category, and uh, their salary is probably like over five thousand dollars no or more i think ten thousand or something well over five thousand dollars a month i think that's where it starts to get into say yeah ten thousand us a month right certainly more actually yeah and they also getting apartments and and uh, many other things i know one russian ex-russian who worked in nato in the us for NATO, uh, he's uh, he's working on a cancer cure. So wow. and he got in Guangzhou so amazing offer. So he like left US like in half a year. He left and now he mm-hmm. has been working and living in Guangzhou more than ten years. And he happy not only with his salaries because most of these people they are also into the uh, into the. Uh, the field, career right? in yeah. the, the field they want to, to, to really make something great in this world and when Chinese people like all that university give them all labs all equipment the sponsorship grants and he said like I need like five new uh, like interns okay they give them interns <laughs> that's also very important yeah. for this kind of people um, I think it's also one thing that's interesting to note is that category A people I think they're more and more specialized Right, because um, whereas 20 years ago, a lot of expats were able to come and take top level jobs. Now locals can do the same thing way better, faster and probably cheaper as well. And, you know, like the the most educated locals, they've gone to our best universities, Harvard, Oxford, Cambridge, whatever, and they come back. So they've got that dual knowledge of of the outside of the west plus china itself plus language plus relationships all that yeah. kind of stuff yeah 
Uh, okay, and then we go to middle-level professionals, including professional teachers and models, uh, because uh, they are also experts in their field. Sometimes, mm. not all English teachers have uh, <laughs> well, don't we'll, have a teacher's degree. We'll get to that later. We'll get to because that these later. people uh, with middle professionals, including professional teachers, they have uh, over. Thirty thousand sometimes mm. the salary R and B R and B yeah yeah so yeah let's say like from three uh, thousand to five thousand U S dollars U S dollars month, yeah. per month which they is have. very generous which is a great salary yes actually. because these middle level professionals they are, I mean like it's not something you need some unique guys it's just like I T guys designers a good teacher mm-hmm. I mean like okay guys and getting these salaries in Russia is like it's impossible mm. in Russia in Moscow executive getting five thousand dollars you know wow so yeah. I, I probably in Europe also I don't know how how, how about Britain like a clerk like in office uh, of, probably like a white-collar worker in the UK I think around two three thousand pounds a month okay so yeah. it's it's comparable yeah. and life here is still cheaper even life Shanghai is, is very expensive cheaper. but you still can find much cheaper like uh, food yeah and restaurants and even mm-hmm. apartments mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so okay l- let's go to another big group it's a students uh, students yeah which is actually the salary sometimes if they got government uh-huh. uh, sti- stipend government uh, allowances uh-huh. right they're getting ma- masters getting like three three thousand GMB it's like five hundred dollars mm-hmm. you know monthly That's and a they lot, and they right? give getting dorms and all the things mm-hmm. and China now g- giving more and more to developing countries yeah. especially so China actually has this very intricate system of giving out um, scholarships yeah and they're very generous with it right yeah. very very generous from free university like like you say uh free tuition free dorms like a monthly stipend and and hundreds of thousands of students from developing countries yeah. coming here and yeah. it's increasing a mm. lot a lot of africans and a lot of post-soviet countries i think that's really something to do with soft power right but i think there are criticisms here as well i mean it's not it's not the most needy people from from Ghana or most needy people from Uzbekistan it's actually the 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 actual not just the smartest but also the elites of Uzbekistan and the elites of whichever african country coming over because i i have a couple of friends you know who who studied in in china um one is the son of the ambassador to china from their country right um i i shouldn't mention the the, the country and then also I have a friend from Uzbekistan. His parents are, you know, they're they're pretty wealthy. They're very well educated, and so these are the people that that they're actually bringing into China. Mm, yeah, but I but there, there is still opportunity. I know the scholarship. It's not that easy to get, really. Mm. Even you are like a from poor family, whatever. It's nothing special there. You just a lot of paperwork. Mm. And you need to explain why you really oh, but again, why China. But then again, well, why China? Yeah, sure. But again, like with anything, right? There is a there is that cost of access, that cost of now na- knowledge. I mean, don't you right? think like uh, actually I didn't find these statistics about like European and U.S. students here in China. Not that many. I don't think there's many. I I I understand why. Unless you have a specific love for China, why would you? Right? Because still, if you look at the world rankings for universities, it's still all Europe and America. Right? China just doesn't. China doesn't feature that heavily. Um, I think maybe Tsinghua and, and Beida 
they do on in the top 100 or top, top 50. But on the whole, it's still mostly the traditional big names that you, you know. Mm-hmm. But still many people like you maybe see a lot of opportunities in China. And here, like if you study here, for sure you will be more ready for But this. That's, that's one of those things, right? If you don't come, you don't know. Right, so you have to have that opportunity, you know, when you're a kid, like your parents bring you here and then you get to see it. Wow, this is a roaring economy and then you come come here. Because actually, you know, the the view of China when you're not here is not, is somewhat skewed, I would say, somewhat biased. Entrepreneurs, that's group, of, uh, the fourth group, uh, it's entrepreneurs here. Yeah. It's like, very like... different, very diverse. <laughs> A lot of like wholesale market guys, you know, mm-hmm. from Inwu, Iwu, mm. Iwu. It's the world's, the, the world's largest market, right? Yes, and it's, it's city, city mar- market yeah. city. <laughs> and uh, like in Guangzhou, a lot of wholesale markets and mm-hmm. the, that guy's also entrepreneurs, right? Yeah, yeah. And sometimes they're getting like a big jump from there. Like uh, they start to live from like, I know, very small wholesale amounts, uh, 20 Uh, like, I don't know, phone cases, and mm-hmm. then they're getting to 100, 1,000. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. like, there are a lot of these success stories. Sure. But there are some, a lot of startups in Shanghai, a mm-hmm. big startup community, mm-hmm. right? Some of them, like, got uh, good investments here. This is actually a very interesting case that I'd like to ask you about. A lot of the foreign-led startups here that deal with technology, how do you feel their performance is? And actually, how easy is it for them to really get into the structure of China? It's tough, but we know many stories, really. Mm. Uh, when China, like uh, foreign startups mm-hmm. or joint ventures getting good good uh, allowances mm-hmm. from government or from venture capital here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like China Accelerator, for example, it's uh, w- one of the most famous accelerator in the world, actually. Mm-hmm. And they have a good, very good traction. Mm-hmm. The startups have good traction. I mean, like, it's it's for sure it's not for China, for whole China. But, y- you know, if you talk about Shanghai, we now talk about entrepreneurs group, so who startups also. Mm. And so in Beijing, In Shenzhen and Shanghai, I think it's like really more and more startups come here. I mean, like it's tough, but uh, a lot of hustlers here. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. I, I mean, ultimately, it is a very tough game here. Though from my understanding, I think a lot of foreigners here, we do, uh, similar to me, right, We when we start our own companies, a lot of them, they're agencies. So we're helping big brands from outside of China come into China, helping them grow, helping them spread, helping them do, you know, service them. Yeah. Um, I think actually a lot of the entrepreneurs I know are agency owners. Yeah, and I don't think there is there are many big entrepreneurs here. Because like when they even they start from China, when they get better Mm. Anyway, they go to like US or to Europe for uh, opening like uh, international headquarters, whatever. Mm. Because it's really if you earn money and you grow in China, you should leave your money here. Mm. I mean, like most of the money yeah. they want you to spend here. Yeah, with that's why they give the all these allowances or good taxes policy. Mm-hmm. But if you want go international, probably I'm China is not the best place here. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's an interesting topic as well. Who are the most well-known foreign entrepreneurs in China that you've heard of? Uh, 
actually the guy who made Shunar, he was a foreigner. In it. Okay. Or Sea Trip. Sea Trip. Are you sure. He was one of the first people on Sea Trip. I mean, he was he's one of the founding partners okay. of Sea Trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the guys that I would say is very well known is the person I used to work for at a company called Naked Hub, mm. and Naked Hub got bought out by WeWork for I think half a half a billion US dollars. Um, no million, half a billion US. Half, half billion. Okay. Yeah, four hundred four hundred fifty million oh. US dollars. So that probably was the the most well known entrepreneur but then his his business was very public facing right i'm sure there must be you know factory owners or this kind of thing you know kind of a little bit more hidden that we don't know about no i know a lot of russian factory owners here like mm. they produce even not for only for russia sometimes even for chinese people now mm-hmm. and yeah there are a lot so probably most of them even when they settle up their business they uh, hire general manager and then they leave and uh, develop another uh, another country's market we have two last groups first is like family and relatives which mm-hmm. is really obvious so who is like if there are two types family people and family visas right here mm-hmm. is uh, who come with their uh, wives or husbands together from uh, their country and you, for example uh, if your husband get a good contract here like in the big international bank you come here and you bring all your family so and this is a, i w- was really surprised in shanghai there is like so many this wife clubs <laughs> you know foreign wife clubs yeah. and they have their own activity their own life their own mm-hmm. circle it i didn't see this in shenzhen when in guangdong and, and you know what it's a big market and actually <laughs> Actually, if you probably most retailers is, is directed at women anyway, but I think in China, women Chinese women their spending power is is enormous. I mean, it's almost shocking. I mean, Chinese women, Chinese women. But we are yeah. talking about no, I, I know, but just just the the culture of of buying and selling in China to women is a very strong one. I think it doesn't matter whether it's whether it's foreign women or Chinese women. Right, because they they control the finances, or they have the children. You know, they make a lot of those decisions. Yeah. So, and many of uh, an, another group of uh, family members here is like uh, Chinese, the person who have Chinese spouse, right? Mm. Uh, so, and many mixed couples also here. But yeah. the the point is, you need to choose. You getting family visa or getting working visa. Mm. You cannot. So you, when you have family visa, you cannot work here. That's strange, <laughs> and you cannot get green card. Yeah. Uh, so it's a bit um, complex. But I think that's because there still isn't enough of those examples to form policy around it. So I think you know within five years they will have. Yeah, and the last category, which is like a bit. <laughs> uh, f- we call it foreign phase jobs mm-hmm. which is uh, now getting down yeah I mean it? definitely less and less and less right but who is this it's unprofessional models and English teachers DJs mm-hmm. singers music bands hostess mm-hmm. and most of them here is like not legal mm-hmm. work not legal mm-hmm. I mean th- I know f- good musicians here mm-hmm. who works on working with their professionals but I also know still in like smaller towns, cities, I have like Ukrainian, Russian friends who is just, 
they are not musicians. They are just white faces. <laughs> you know, they they make this. Uh, they 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 don't play real guitar. Yeah. They just like holding it and make the make the actions. They go yes. through the actions, right? Yeah, sure. It's it, they just open their mouth <laughs> without you know just miming the songs. Yes, right? I think actually that's that's changing a lot. But you still see it, right? There is in certain industries there is still that value to being white or being foreign um and i think that's changing very very quickly but certainly you still see lots of models or like at events they they kind of want you know like um tall foreign looking guys or even at nightclubs like the very fancy nightclubs they kind of they hire like the very big like very broad black bouncer because there's there's that stereotype of them being you know very strong um yeah sometimes uh, they want to you know like uh highlight this uh international mm, community mm, that mm. like we are international company and mm. i know some friends who are actually they are not good designer for example mm. but this design company have already 100 chinese people and they want at least one foreigner to show <laughs> off you know yeah i even know this this, this thing Well, my friend designer, she was good designer, but mm. she said sometimes she want to give her own ideas. She like initiative her idea. They don't care. They say go to this negotiation, just sit with us and like <laughs> say yes, yes, yes. Like you know, just to show that yeah, the yeah. international team. <laughs> yeah. So the foreign face jobs. That's actually one that a lot of people when they first get to Shanghai, it's particularly you know younger people or people who are still at university. But this field is dying i mean it's like definitely dying. it's definitely dying but it's 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 really like it's really like performing monkeys right and it's like it's like in nightclubs they'll pay you 200 rmb to go to a nightclub because you're a foreigner and then you know you'll be like dancing and stuff and, and it just makes the club feel more international that kind of thing or uh going to shows or you know english teaching there are i know from you know friends and, and things like british born chinese who who are obviously fluent natively fluent in in English who have been refused jobs who have been refused jobs at English schools because they don't look like an English person parents of the students they don't believe that this is this could actually be a, someone from the UK i even know one girl from russia who who was told uh, by chinese school to change her hair to blonde <laughs> she was like a uh, black haired uh-huh. that's ridiculous okay i mean like we we can talk about so much time but i think it's not the uh the the best community of foreigners here but it's uh, <laughs> but certainly the most interesting i think right i mean it's it's because it's dying <laughs> because it's dying but also because there's there's an element of like i mean i find them interesting because there's an element of like survival there because actually for them life is really tough right they're always living on the edge they're always living kind of illegally they're the ones who get paid the least they're the ones who get um you know lots of regulations broken against them you know their agents or their employers will be lying to them or, or you know abusing them in in that sense but because of this community of people uh sometimes we have problems because mm-hmm. chinese people think that all foreigners like them because most of many of them in their countries back their countries they have They don't have prospects, yeah, right? They, 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 they don't, they don't have lose anything. How to say? They've got nothing to lose. <laughs> yes, they, <laughs> they, <laughs> uh, yes, they don't have anything to lose. Mm. 
and uh, that's why their behavior sometimes is not good they, they come to china for easy money they don't uh, have any serious plans here they sometimes they can okay i can get some money and savings after three years and just leave china so they don't mm-hmm. care about uh, the image of foreign people here mm-hmm. so i'm we go going to our conclusion and just like i repeat these six uh, six types of uh, six groups of foreigners here so first is execu- executive scientists engineers like top top foreigners here probably holding chinese green card middle level professionals including professional teachers models students entrepreneurs family and relatives and the last one foreign faced jobs mm. and this foreign faced jobs actually um giving us uh this thing uh how to say that the foreigners quality here are mm. low this is my subjective uh <laughs> opinion i really think that quality of foreigners here in china is really low i think on the whole i think you're right particularly for western foreigners coming to china unless you've got a, like a real interest in the culture or, or you know you're ethnically chinese um why would you leave your very nice safe good good economy country europe or, or america or whatever i think for russia and uh, another countries uh, like like russia ukraine ukraine kazakhstan is a bit different because uh, there is not easy especially without native english right or like good very good english uh, go to like european countries or mm-hmm. the us and especially last uh, six years seven years when we got this economic sanctions and this image of russian people so i think uh, even like me okay experts okay specialists could come to china here mm-hmm. from russia but still it guy and cool designers i mean like if you are really cool and you can you have opportunity to go to for work in us or britain they will choose britain or uk i mean like they won't come to china anyway. mm. Mm. so that's why is also it's not about like foreign faced jobs people here it's also about like um when you are like a middle it guy you can get uh, here much higher salary mm-hmm. than in europe or uh, somewhere else mm-hmm. because really salaries for uh, this like middle level we call it professionals mm-hmm. but probably they are professional skills are very like iban iban <laughs> very uh, very av- uh, av- average or average, mediocre yeah, yeah. so iban <laughs> yeah some good chinglish <laughs> <laughs> yeah we need maybe add more chinglish in this <laughs> podcast okay just le- let's finish uh, this podcast mm. uh, with a conclusion about would you recommend to come to china people who look for like professional opportunities or like uh what kind of people should come to china um i think i think as long as you hit the minimum requirements you know as a person you've really got to be tough right because china it's it's not like europe it's not like where you're from it's a completely different culture you know the food the 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 interactions on the street the way people talk the language all of these things it's completely different to what you'd be used to back in the west or america or you know I, i'm guessing russia and, and central asia also so that's that i think is the, is the big problem however if you are tough and ambitious and hard working then i think that 
and and you know you're willing to put in the time and the the hours to learn Chinese. I think that this is a a wonderful place to be, and and further your career. Yeah, sure. I mean, like、uh, I have this small research here, Expat Insider, twenty nineteen. And here is said like、um, that people don't like to stay in China because the Great Firewall of China,、uh, VPN, for sure,、right? so, VPN and all、yeah. the censorship altogether,、mm. uh, too much pollution for sure.、Mm. We didn't、mm. mention this, but but at the same time they uh, uh, mentioned great transportation and very convenient to travel by high speed railway.、Mm. Language a big challenge. All people say this is a really big challenge. Um, they also say that、uh, cost of living、uh, here is not an issue yet,、mm. so it's really、uh, it's really good in terms of、uh, cost of living.、Uh, very friendly attitude. A lot of people mention very、mm-hmm. friendly attitude of local people, and but very expensive education. So if you have a family, yeah, here in China, yeah, it probably would be much more expensive than in your country. Yeah, sure. I mean, because if you have a child, like unless it's Chinese. Citizen, it has to go to inter- international school, right? Fees are extortionate. I just want to go back to what you said about foreigners being very welcomed here. I think foreigners they're welcomed by individuals and they're welcomed by the state, but I'm not so sure how welcomed they are by society, right? So, so the government is very friendly to you know they they invite you over and your neighbors and people on the street will probably be very friendly to you, but people who don't know you. I think there is still that that there's a level of maybe fear or misunderstanding、um, there, like particularly on on in terms of like online comments and stuff. So I've got friends who are who have like a Chinese girlfriend or, or、um, a white girl who has a Chinese boyfriend, and when they post up on the internet, you know, of course they get a lot of support, but sometimes they get some pretty nasty messages. You know, like why are you stealing our our women? Or you know this kind of thing, but it's not common thing everywhere. In Russia, we also have this too. Like if you try to date a Russian girl, even、mm. you, <laughs> <laughs> even Brit、uh, people won't like it.、Uh-huh. So I think it's. I mean, like it's not the issue, and it's not coming to open aggression. Never happened to me. I,、uh, I mean, but the the country is not a very. I mean, the, this culture is not a very aggressive culture. Yeah. Right. I mean, like they just open to the world. Let's say, like thirty、mm. years, forty years ago,、mm. it's not that much. After like they was closed for so long time, mm. Mm. and I think it takes some time. Young people is really open to, to、mm. foreigners.、Mm. I think next generation like won't have this issue at all.、Mm. As for me, actually, I also could mention the same what I、uh, tell 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 you later from this report. Yeah, I'm not really happy about all this censorship and、mm. the Great Wall VPN. It when you have international online business, it's really hard. And、uh, when you go out of China and use free internet, you understand <laughs> how like tough actually is here. Yeah, we just use it. But convenience of online services here,、mm. all the apps, all this cashless, cashless economy. I really forgot what is cash is, <laughs> and yeah, it showed us、uh, that China is way, like way ahead, ahead, and way developed, much、mm. more developed than any country in the world.、Mm-hmm. I think in terms of.、Uh, Online services、mm-hmm. and on delivery and e-commerce,、mm. it's、uh, you 
you understand that uh, I don't know the US is like 20 years back <laughs> yeah I mean China is is one of those interesting cases where in some ways it's advanced beyond recognition right certainly since I've been coming to China as a kid I mean there are some aspects that are, that have stayed very similar right in some ways that are just completely not the same like for example the way that Artem is talking about cashless payment right i think back home we're getting used to like tap to pay tap with your phone or tap with your card i mean here they've had it for years right scan a qr code that's it i mean i i don't even have cash i literally don't have cash we probably should make more podcast about every advantage and yeah. every minus of these things i think like our uh i think we get we'd get censored if we did every disadvantage so let's just do one about all the advantages um yeah no okay we will check your comments mm. that was like first pilot episode that's why yeah probably we have many things to work on and and get more comments of you what do you want to listen about young mm. china new china uh, from uh, our perspectives we have been living here for a long time mm-hmm. and we can answer i think and open demystify any topic you want right and in the end of each episode we want to recommend you a book or a movie to understand better china uh, this time i want to recommend it to you it's uh, it's a book shark's fin and citron paper at sweet sour memory of eating in china it's a british author a girl who's uh, stayed here like in 90s so it's like why china mm. she was one of the for the first foreigners uh, students mm-hmm. in Chengdu. Wow. So in, yeah, really back in the day. Yeah, right. and she uh, like uh, explaining Chinese culture through through the food mm. and the food is one of the most important thing mm. here in China. It's like mm. a god, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Even like when they ask uh, how do you do it means like uh, how are you? Chuchulama, chuvalama, which yeah. means have you it literally means have you eaten? Yeah, but you don't need to reply or you if you reply you can uh, keep speaking about food for half an hour <laughs> so yeah this is amazing book must read and yeah we are waiting your feedback on our first pilot episode okay and the next one probably will be about coronavirus and mm-hmm. how we survived here and what we <laughs> learned uh, yeah. and what we can uh, share with uh, the rest of the world mm-hmm. and you probably not probably for sure you would be okay mm. we passed it <laughs> yeah well we passed it but it was it was a tough one anyway look thank you so much for listening thank you artem um thank you me and uh we really really look forward to hearing your comments and making a better podcast and improving every step thank you very much bye bye see you bye bye